1: I'd like to acknowledge that we are broadcasting right now on unceded Gadigal land. Uh, This land has been in the hands of generations of Gadigal custodians for thousands of years before us, and it will continue to be in their hands long, long after us. Uh, This land has been a meeting place for sharing knowledge, for sharing stories and song, and we are privileged to be part of that storytelling and that tradition today and every day at FBI Radio. I pay my respects to Gadigal elders past and present. We are broadcasting from Redfern right now. Redfern is a birthplace, a black theatre in this country. And it's a site for resistance and resilience for First Nations peoples. Welcome to Race Matters. Uh, This is a show hosted by people of colour, speaking with people of colour about the ways we understand and value our racial identities. I'm Darren Lasagas.
0: I'm Tanya Ali. And this week we saw an incredibly damning uncovering of the lengths, the heights, the depths at which systemic racism exists. I'm talking about the Australian sports industry, an industry which prides itself on community, on egalitarianism, on camaraderie, but which absolutely has not been without an entrenched system of discrimination against people of colour. Eddie Maguire made that very clear himself this week.
2: What's happened on my watch is this. We have built a fantastic club. We have commissioned this report. We have built all sorts of mechanisms to get involved in the community from looking after the homeless and many other aspects of life that stands absolutely head and shoulders above most organisations, of which we're very proud, okay? Now, there are plenty of things at the moment you look back on and you go, gee, I wish we could have done those better. That's in every way, shape of life. At the time we did them as well as we thought you could. So there was not systemic racism as such. We just didn't have the processes in place, as we look back now, to do the job we'd like to have done in 2021.
1: It's, um, look, it's kind of laughable when you mm. kind of just sit back and take it in, if just plainly, like, insidious. um, Yeah, that's Eddie Maguire, president of the Collingwood Football Club, issuing a statement following the racism report conducted on his club. So what's next for the club? What's next for the sport? And uh, what's next for the conversations we've had? countless times already, and uh, which have been silenced nearly every time we've had them.
0: Yeah, yesterday I spoke with Rana Hussain, Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator at Richmond Football Club, co-host of the Outer Sanctum podcast, and someone who lives and breathes footy. We'll hear her reflections on the week and on the industry as a whole later in the show.
1: But first, in other news real quick, uh, we may have experienced one of the greatest snubs... (laughs) of all time. Uh, people say the word groundbreaking way too often, but I May Destroy You um, by Michaela Cole. Um, this is a TV show, an exploration of rape culture, of trauma, of healing, of blackness, uh, which is made with complete care and authenticity and intellect. It's um, it's elevated television, really. Um, it received zero nominations at the Golden Globes. Yes, these conversations have been had for a week. It's widely knowledge that this is a racist thing that has happened. Emily in Paris. This is a show about a white American influencer who moves to Paris to sell white luxuries to white Parisians. This was nominated for multiple Golden Globes. I, people think, that, like, I thought this show was a joke.
0: Oh, absolutely. Everyone did.
1: Yeah. And you want to rely on merit-based affirmations, which a lot of people are like, oh, well, there's not enough talent in the pool of, like, people of colour who are creating. It's like, tell me how these two shows compare and tell me why the show, uh, which was widely critically acclaimed, wasn't agno- acknowledged. It's caucasity. It literally <laughs> is. Also, I just
0: remember when Emily in Paris came out and... Every conversation, like, yes, it was in the headlines. Everyone was talking about it, but everyone was ripping into Into it. it, No one was like, even people who enjoyed it weren't like, this is a good show. They're like, I enjoyed this trash.
1: Um, And it's, yeah, I'm just bewildered by the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. I think it needs to be burned to the ground. Agreed. Uh, But yeah, okay, that is said and done. But the unexpected player in this conversation has risen on Twitter. Her name is Abby Govindan didn't okay queen i did, literally didn't know who she was Neither. i wish i did is she she's indian comedian on twitter anyway she wrote this tweet um and the tweet was oh, two days ago as the creator of emily in paris can i just say why the f will we nominated for a golden globe lol i made that show as a prank Eleven point three thousand retweets 200 200- 212,000 likes people really think this person made emily in paris it is so funny no the creator is a white man called darren star he wrote sex in the city but no people believe that this woman had wrote um uh emily in paris and she's just running with it and it is the funniest thing to watch unfold people are literally reporting in this on in the media under full belief that Abby Govind is a creator of Emily in Paris.
0: Yeah, I saw um, an article. I can't remember what publication it was for, but in the, like, graphic for it, they had a couple of screenshots. Because, so, uh, there is one, I think, writer for Emily in Paris who has actually come out and been like, yeah, yeah I don't think we deserved these nominations. Yeah. Um, but they had that side-by-side with Abby <laughs> Govind and Sweet being like, the creators hate the show.
1: <laughs> um, and... Yeah, she's hilarious. Um, Another tweet, this is 10 hours ago, she goes, Emily in Paris was originally about an Indian girl who moves to Paris, but when I pitched it, the network executives spit in my face and call me racial slurs. The following week, I re-pitched the exact same concept with a white girl, and now I'm nominated for two Golden Globes. And so
0: then, uh, the BBC... get in touch with her agent, and they're like, hey, Abby, we would love to speak about this crazy story that Emmeline Paris was actually about an Indian girl. Could you please come on? Like, wild, where is the fact-checking?
1: BBC. Come on. Well, apparently people have been changing the information on Wikipedia for the show and wrote her name. But, like, if that's the depth of your research, Look, then what the hell?
0: in high school we learned that that is not, that's Literally, not enough. That's, a,
1: that's the 101. Yeah. Um, anyway... Love Abby Gabindin. Like, she was, she was like, I was nearly going to go full bore and do like the interview and just pretend I was this person, but she decided not to oh, but i kind of wish she did
0: she's a better person than i i, oh, if me I too. was in that situation 100 yeah i think we need her on the show that's, okay, that's my 2021 goal <laughs> <laughs> you are listening to race matters and up next rana hussein diversity and inclusion officer at richmond football club is going to be talking about systemic racism in the industry and more Anything's possible, This
1: is there. Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas.
0: I'm Tanya Ali, And as we were saying before, this week has been a huge week for sport, particularly AFL. And our guest today lives and breathes footy. She works as the Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator at Richmond Football Club and is a host of the Outer Sanctum podcast, an all-female talk show featuring 10 mates who just bloody love the sport. Her name is Rana Hussain, and our conversation spans her experience in the industry, her reflections on what's happened this week, and her hopes for change. Here's Rana now recalling her first ever footy game.
3: I was I was a teenager, um, and I was in like year eight, maybe, um, and I went to it was Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne, and I. Had never been to the football. Football was just always on in the background at my house, but never really something I saw was for me or anything I'd be interested in. Um, And then, but, you know, growing up, you sort of feel like you do have to take a little bit of interest. And um, I ended up going with a friend and her family, and they, you know, they were a big footy family. And I just fell in love. It was like... (laughs) I love at first sight, really. Um, it was electric and exciting and just an amazing atmosphere. And I, I think, you know, I loved a loud crowd booing and cheering and swearing. And, um, but the game itself was frenetic and interesting. And, um, I just thought, oh, this is so fun. I love this. And it felt that probably there was a bit of, you know, catharsis in it. Um, and then so I just started to really follow the game after that and get involved. And then eventually, I you know, as an adult, once I became an adult and sort of earning money, I bought myself a membership and went to every game.
0: <laughs> yeah. At what point did you know that you wanted to pursue a career in that field, in sport?
3: Oh, <laughs> I I would have loved to have had that as an aspiration, but it was so off the radar. I didn't really ever think <laughs> about the possibility of having a job in the game. I think when Bashahooli started playing it occurred to me that maybe our men could be part of the game, but certainly not. Um, a Muslim woman. And then the ASL started a program, um, for multicultural ambassadors. They sort of realised they wanted to start engaging diverse communities or culturally diverse communities. And so, well, as soon as I saw that opportunity, I leapt at it and started volunteering for them. And then, um, that, you know, it was like, I did that for a few years and then, um, the whole Adam Goods booing saga unfolded and, I felt really really disheartened and disgruntled by that and it felt like I felt like something was going on and no one was really talking about it in the way I thought it should be and I worried that there weren't enough people in the game who had insight into what it feels like to be on the outer, and so it just started to consume my mind and And I became really preoccupied with it. And I felt like, you know, instead of whinging about it and being frustrated, maybe I should put my hand up and see if there's anything I can do about it. And so the very few networks that I had are mentioned, you know, if there's ever a job going or something I could do to help, I want to do it because I think I care about this a lot. And it happened really quickly. Richmond were looking for someone um to support them with multicultural engagement and I jumped at the chance.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to get into talking about your role with Richmond. But to touch on what you were kind of speaking about before, it shouldn't be top line news or something that's, you know, like – out of the ordinary, but the idea of a visibly Muslim woman working in this predominantly historically white corporate space and Mm. a space that has, you know, been kind of hostile to people like us. Um, Mm. It's something to take note of for sure. How much has changed since you started in terms of visibility or even since you became interested in the sport?
3: I think a lot's changed, but the world's changed too. So (laughs) I feel like where the game is now, where the world was maybe six years ago, the game's caught up (laughs) to. But, you know, especially I think last year as well with Black Lives Matter becoming so prominent, it's just taken another step forward. And the things that have changed, I think, is that it's so much more... Of a commonality to see people of colour in the industry. I think athletes have found their voice more and more. Um, black and indigenous athletes are speaking up more. I think the fact that, you know, people are actually just accepting that there is racism, whereas, I mean, it's still not the case. Not everybody does, but more and more people can fathom that yes, this game has a racist thread running through it and the next conversation is now happening how do we shift that whereas I think before we spent a lot of time debating like Adam Goods when Adam Goods was booge we spent a lot of time denying that that had a racist element to it and that we needed to deal with that um whereas now we can all understand that 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 was at play there so I think a lot has been done, a lot of work is going on around pathways, talent pathways, even around recruiting um, and hiring. But what I don't see is those people moving up the ranks and anytime soon. It's, it's still very male and white at the top and... Um, And even the people that are hired, the people of colour that are hired for jobs in the industry are there for specifically diverse, community-oriented roles, which is great, but that alone isn't going to do it. And so, you know, the next step for me is to see people of colour all over the place in the industry.
0: Mm, I feel like that's, all of that is industry specific, but then also we see it play out in almost every industry in this country. Like, Absolutely. yeah, conversations around racism and anti-racism in footy and sport at large aren't infrequent by any means, but mm. this week in particular, of course, Eddie Maguire came out with a now infamous press conference in response to the Collingwood Club's Do
2: Better Racism report, which
0: came out. Yeah.
2: I, I don't think there's any any shame or any disappointment in, in what's going on here. As I said right from the outset, this is a day of pride. This is a day where I can sit next to Jodie and she can honestly say as a member of the Collingwood Football Club board that this club is standing something significant in this area and they're actually putting in place the mechanisms to make a difference.
0: As someone who works in the industry, uh, were you surprised to hear what Maguire had to say?
3: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I was surprised at his press conference performance because he just seemed to exude a really strange, he just... I don't honestly don't know what was going on there for him um and you know we talked about it uh, the podcast the out sanctum that i'm on discussed it really well and they talked about you know he either thought he either thought it was a proud day which were his words which is um or he didn't think that but presented that way was trying to present that way to spin something mm. so either way it was it was confounding and am I surprised sadly I'm not super surprised I mean I, I I didn't think I really didn't think it would he would take that angle but in terms of the approach being to try and save the brand seemingly doesn't surprise me because that tends to be the way a lot of organisations do respond to things like this and the report itself outlines that that's what the club had been doing um, whenever they were faced with uh, criticisms, that they protect the brand and sadly this is just not how you deal with racism I mean it, it. you take it seriously and you you accept and acknowledge and, and do the work to fix it so I will say like it was a really tough day as someone who loves the game and, and understands how city clubs work you know I felt for the people who are doing the great work Debbie Lovett and Jodie Sizer are doing some excellent work and there are other people throughout the industry who really push for change and it just felt like such a unfortunate way of handling that
1: whole thing this
0: is race matters I'm Tanya Ali
1: I'm Dallas Sargas we've been hearing from Rana Hussein diversity and inclusion uh, coordinator at Richmond Football Club about the racism report undertaken at Collingwood Football Club and uh, the subsequent president Eddie McGuire's response uh, this is as you know Rana said, uh, quite unfortunately, not a surprise. It's a uh, long-held common knowledge, the experiences of racial discrimination players, you know, staff have experienced within the sport.
0: Yeah, I mean, Rana uh, referenced Adam Goods a bunch um, and one player you might have heard from before on this as well is Haridia Lumumba. So I guess to provide just a little bit of context um, because a lot of this stuff surfaced first in 2017, but it's resurfaced, um, kind of around actually last year when, um, things were hitting the fan um, in June, but then also now that this report has come out. So Haridia is the Collingwood player that kind of sparked this Do Better report. Um, there's a 2017 documentary about his experiences with racism within the club. It's called Fair Game, and it kind of details his journey, understanding his black identity and how that collides with the AFL that was and still is confronting its own issues with racism uh that's actually available right now to stream on SBS on demand if you're interested we'll pop a link up to it uh, at our program page fbiradio.com forward slash race matters but yeah that documentary came out the project had this interview with Haridia back in 2017 as well uh, that was between him and the Ali that looking back at that video now it was just straight up gaslighting. And Amar Rahman, a comedian, um, was actually in the room that when that interview was happening and he did this really great Twitter thread about it back in June last year Uh So the interview that aired, I think, was about eight minutes or whatever, as is the want Mm. on a primetime show. Um, But the actual interview itself took place over one and a half hours. Waleed's intense questioning brought Heredia to tears Mm. at one point, and it was just, like, really relentless. Um, And... In this Twitter thread, Ama Raman is kind of like, you know, at the time we were like, okay, maybe he's just being really rigorous in his questioning and we'll see what the edit looks like. And what came of the edit was, you know, them just like hammering him with these questions about his experience and basically denying his experience and... Um, you know, talking about players who said that they never heard the racist nicknames that Haridia was called. Like, absolute gaslighting, plain and simple. And then after the interview aired, the project panel were kind of talking about it and they, like, hinged his entire experience on the fact that, you know, no one could necessarily back him up, which, as we all know, for people who have experienced racism or racism within an organisation particularly, of course, people aren't gonna no. back you up like that's that's the whole point that is systemic racism um so, yeah, I don't know. I guess that's kind of come to the fore and uh come into this conversation in a way because the project's interview, which could have been a really great opportunity for Haridia to have space on a massive massive current affairs program kind of ended up burying the story. Uh, But a lot has happened since 2017, globally and locally, when it comes to confronting racism. And I feel like all of this begs the question, following this Do Better report that's come out and what's happened in the media, all the conversations that we've been having about the AFL and sport and racism, how is this conversation going to change from now? Here's Diversity and Inclusion Coordinator at Richmond Football Club, Rana Hussain, again now.
3: I'm really... I'm, maybe this is just because of the week I've had talking about this or thinking about this, I don't, I'm not hopeful that it will change and I, I mean I hope that it does but I don't feel that way. What I'm hoping changes is that people are much more aware of the, the way when racism is brought up People work to diminish that person and their credibility, and debate their experience. It's sort of like if you hurt someone and someone says, "I felt really hurt by that," you—it's it, not the nicest thing to then go, "Well, I don't know that you're that mentally sound, or I don't really believe that you—you felt hurt by that." And to question, you know, where's the proof that you you were hurt? You, you know, you don't you don't start from that place. You start from, oh, wow, I'm really sorry that you're hurt and that I hurt you. Can we talk about what happened there and how we can make it better? And, uh, you know, that's what I hope changes um, because that's ultimately what Heritia was asking for. He was saying, I experienced this and I want to have a genuine conversation about, how we can all do better and so often we come from a such a defensive place and we just need to kind of put that aside and and just come to the table with okay I can see that you were hurt what is it that hurt you explain to me help me understand let's work on this um so yeah I think yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one because I it what played out with Herakia back in 2017 and beyond is systems and structures going up against an individual and his experiences and how do you manoeuvre that like how do it takes those systems to really shift and be ethical and responsible in in how they approach the individual. I think media in general need to do a lot of work around what ethical journalism is and looks like and what a decolonised media industry looks like as well. Um, I think there's a conversation there and hopefully we can start to have that as we move forward a bit more
0: There's no doubt like a lot of Indigenous and Black and Brown kids watching this all unfold What would you say to them if they were questioning their commitment to sport?
3: I would say that their feelings are probably valid, that feeling saddened by what you're seeing is a totally natural response and I would say that they have power and influence of their own and that we can all use that. So, you know, where you feel comfortable to take up the fight, do it, because, you know, and that might just be a conversation with a friend or a coach um, speaking up and, and being brave around your experiences and and having calm conversations with you know, your sporting club around what it is that you need or experience or what you see going on beyond um, your own experiences, you know, that's the power and influence we do have and, you know, that we can use that and hopefully that creates ripple effects that then creates change. I think sport is weirdly also a really great place for young people of colour and can be a really safe and supportive environment when sport gets it right. It's incredibly powerful. It brings people together and you cannot, you know, often the the happiest I feel is when I'm at the football because so much of that politics does go away because you're watching a game and you can interact about that and you're not representing and you're not having to you know talk about the political um and so i would lean into that and and enjoy it and find people who are allies and who are like you to move through the world with um and just make sure you've got a good supportive group around you
0: such good advice we have come to the end of our chat, but there's one question that we ask uh, every single guest that comes through on Race Matters. Mm-hmm. Rana saying, when did you realise there was power in your race?
3: Oh, um, many, many times throughout my life, um, one moment, Came, just came to mind when you asked me that when I was really little like in prep and parents come in we had had this thing where parents come in and present on something um and my mum came in and presented on being Muslim and Indian and she cooked some food and brought it in and that sounds really math but now but um early 90s Australia and the way my teachers sort of received her and the attention that they gave her and seeing the pride and strength she had that day being who she is just made me stand really tall and go, oh, we have I've actually got something here to be really proud of. Um, I think up until that point I was thinking... I'm the brown kid in the classroom, and and I don't look like the Disney princess. And then my mum came in in the sari, and and was just you know kind of smashed it and went, yeah, this is who we are, and we're pretty cool. And I realised like, oh, I have something that everybody else doesn't have in this room. Um, and you know, there've been a thousand moments like that, I think, for me. But you know, that was probably the first time. I really felt a sense of pride in who I was.
0: That's Rana Hussein on when she realised there was power in her race. This is Race Matters. I'm Tanya Ali.
1: My name's Daniel Osagas. We've been talking about sport race and racism and uh, something I feel like is super tied to this conversation that we haven't touched on yet is this myth of quote-unquote multiculturalism yeah
0: totally I feel like that is so embedded in sport because as we said at the start of the show the camaraderie everyone can
1: play exactly
0: it's a like leveler you know the great leveler but Up next, we're going to be chatting about some national survey results that came out
1: this week. That sounds so flat and boring. (laughs) Okay.
0: You want to hear some stats from them? Get ready. 84% of respondents said that multiculturalism had been good for Australia. 66% rejected the idea that governments should fund cultural maintenance for minorities. So basically like funding, special funding for cultural groups. And forty nine percent said they hold negative views towards Australians of Iraqi or Sudanese backgrounds.
1: What the hell? Like, what is this survey? I, it sounds like people are confused.
0: It does sound like people are confused, but that's <laughs> about the thing. their own racism. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or how how does racism fit into multiculturalism? Yeah, yeah, Apparently, no. it can. It
1: can. Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, yeah, obviously, a lot to unpack here. So stay with us. You are listening to Race Matters. I'm Darren Lasagas.
0: I'm Tanya Ali, And yeah, before uh, that track, I, we, I mean, we teased some s- hot stats. <laughs>
1: hot stats on a Saturday afternoon. We love those.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, look, I mean, they're not hot at all. They're actually very yeah, they're really disappointing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the report that I'm talking about is the Scanlon Foundation's 2020 Social Cohesion it Report. It already sounds so evil. I know, I... The more I talk about it, the more I feel like a massive nerd. I'm like, guys, why is no one talking about this?
1: You're a numbers girl.
0: (laughs) I'm really not. (laughs) (laughs) But basically, this report survey has been going on for years and years. And each year they do it, it's aiming to provide an insight into, and I'm quoting, the attitudes of Australians, uh, which already I'm like, what is that?
1: First red flag.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But... Anyway, uh, we talked about some of the stats, yeah. Basically, majority of respondents are like, yeah, multiculturalism, it's sick, love it. Uh, (laughs) Last year it was 80%, this year 84%. So just climbing. Um, But then there are these really honestly deeply upsetting Mm. Uh, negative opinions towards Australians of Asian, African and Middle Eastern backgrounds. Uh, They're persisting. 49% of respondents said they held very negative or somewhat negative feelings towards people of Iraqi and Sudanese backgrounds. 47% had negative feelings towards Chinese Australians. And as in previous years, many respondents also indicated a negative view towards Muslim Australians. 37% of respondents uh, down from 40 one percent the year before so I don't know if that's progress but mm. shit I guess Asian Australian respondents also because of the coronavirus pandemic I think there was uh, a bunch of new questions surrounding that and especially for mm. Asian Australian respondents seeing how they felt about discrimination there were higher levels uh, which makes sense 59 percent of respondents born in an Asian country thought racism was a problem in Australia which 59 percent that's like A whole lot of other people who are like, no, it's no no problem. Yeah. Which is, I don't know, weird to me. Um, But anyway, we're talking numbers. Uh, All of this is to say that I think we need to talk about the myth of multiculturalism and uh, how it's kind of persistently used against us in a way, or like, it's this thing that I remember, you know, being a kid at school and you had multicultural day, uh, Harmony day. Harmony day. Exactly. World food day. And like, it is so damaging thinking about it now because it just, uh,
1: it perpetuated a lie.
0: Exactly. Um, and it's used to create this idea of nationhood or like so-called Australian identity by the government. Literally it's like a political tool. Like, yeah. And I think within multiculturalism, there's this implication of assimilation, of integration, you Mm. know, um, as we've alluded to on Race Matters many a time, uh, food is seen as this one, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah, everyone can get behind it. That's, that's, we've sold racism. If yeah. you can eat... Uh, we can
1: all share our cuisine. Exactly. We're all taking the best parts of our culture and sharing it with each other.
0: That's, that's it. And that is what multiculturalism represents, I yeah. feel. It makes me kind of uncomfortable. And I feel similarly about that term as I do diversity and inclusion, hmm. which, and I feel like also the ways that we respond to terms like these are changing all the time, um, you know. Because in different
1: contexts too, exactly. Um, yeah. Speaking like for this sample, how many people were surveyed in this? Do we know?
0: Um, I don't know. <laughs> uh, was it that...
1: five thousand or something? I
0: think so. And it's like who who, who were, is that what, sample? What was made the makeup
1: of? of this sample? Yeah. yeah. So not knowing that, what the results we've been talking about really show this dissonance. Like there is a deep dissonance and like mis- like misunderstanding, a refusal or subconscious refusal to join the dots between what we understand is multicultural and what we understand to be quote-unquote Australian. And that's something that we've been talking about on the show for a long time, this idea of the Australian identity. Um, yeah, you can see it in the numbers, you can see it in the answers, the, um, the uh, absolute oxymoron of believing in multiculturalism but then not believing in uh, sustaining, you know, different cultural – what was the um, – cultural programs? Yeah. Um, and then having negative feelings towards, like, specific ethnic groups. And it's like that multiculturalism exists as a homogenization, like, as you said before, like, integration, like, assimilation are uh, kind of go hand in hand with people's ideas of what multiculturalism is – And you see it, like, I've seen it in my parents. I've seen it in older generations in my, you know, non-white extended family. Like, they're like, yeah, we're multicultural, but to be multicultural, we have to be um, Australian. And that means, you know, not doing this anymore, but doing this and, like, understanding that if you don't want to experience racism, then, like, be less of the other because that's when you find harmony in multiculturalism. And, like, that is so sad to me Um, because... Multiculturalism is also protection. You know, people see multiculturalism as like safety.
0: Yeah, 100%. I think also people, and yeah, I can't speak to the kind of demographics that are represented in this survey and across the respondents. I imagine it's a widespread, but also Mm. who bloody knows? Who bloody Um, knows?
1: (laughs) That's why, like, you know, grain of salt, all of that, like, especially with big surveys like this.
0: It's true but at the same time it really does expose something oh, that I so think telling. is yeah extremely telling and the way that it just like flew under the radar I think only SBS actually reported on it even mm. though it's quite a big a major survey that's been happening over a long period of time which yeah, means yeah, yeah. there's like the ability to you know compare yep. trends anyway yeah I think like if it is older generations who are kind of, and mm. even going back to that point of, um, you know, a, quite a large percentage of Asian Australian respondents being like, racism isn't a problem totally. here. There is a reluctance sometimes to see your this uh, perception of your race being a hindrance, which I don't think it is to acknowledge that there's racism, but I think a lot of people do.
1: For sure, that we are handicapped in some way, but... You know, the Australian dream or whatever, we're all egalitarian, you know, as we were talking with sport before, Um, Australia is a leveler, everyone has the same opportunities. Um, It's not true. And sometimes it takes a long time and a hard time to admit that because no one wants to admit that they're less than um, or like that we're subject to or victim to a system that doesn't support us. Um, That's a hard thing to confront because it means we, we shift blame to an unknowable force.
0: Mm. And for, you know, migrants that might be newer to the country as well, I think... This yeah,
1: whole what's the conversation... migrant makeup of this survey? That's you know? it.
0: Exactly. Oh no,
1: are we going to go deep into this survey now?
0: I hope so. <laughs> okay, well you
1: can do it and let me know. Yeah,
0: I will. <laughs> um, the conversation about multiculturalism reminds me of the conversation you and Sarah were having about that awful Australia oh, yeah. Day uh, TV ad. Um, we heard it then. And like this... Idea that, you know.
1: We're all part of the story.
0: We're all part of the story, but white people are always going to be front and center in that story. They're always going to be the hegemony. And oh, that's... it
1: should be. We're all part of their story.
0: <laughs> is that the. That's not it.
1: No, we're all part oh, of the story. I'm um, saying it should be. We're all part of their that story. That is what
0: it is, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, more, more on this survey soon. I'm going to go deep. I'm going to do my own report on this survey. <laughs> Pop
1: a link up to the website so people can look at the numbers themselves.
0: Absolutely will. <laughs> That is all for Race Matters this week. I'm Tanya Ali. I'm
1: Darren Lasagas. Big thank you to our guest today, Rana Hussein, for joining us.
0: You can find every single episode of Race Matters wherever you get your podcasts or over at fbiradio.com forward slash race matters. We will catch you next week. Race Race Matters. Race Matters.
1: Race Matters. Race Matters. Race Matters. Race Matters. Race Matters. Race Matters.